Hello and welcome to Cardscast, a football podcast all about Waking Football Club. Through this podcast, you'll hear roundtable discussions, match previews and reviews, interviews, as well as us sharing our favourite memories of players, matches and seasons from the past. My name is Glenn Harrington and I'm joined as ever by Jacob Greenwood and by a new guest, Ben Parker, to talk all about the latest goings on at the club. But before we get into it, remember to like, share and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from. So lots to talk about today, but Ben, as is Cardscast tradition, and we have a new guest on the podcast, could you start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your history with Waking Football Club? Yeah, of course. Hi, my name's Ben. Um, I first got into Woking through my granddad. It was the season we won the Conference South. Uh, my first ever game actually was against, it was against Dover, 3-1 win in 2011. And it's just stuck. It, it's just stuck ever since. Um, the highs, the lows, everything. Um, it's just, yeah, no matter how good or bad they are, it will be something that's with me forever. And uh, especially this year, I'm sure we'll get onto that at some point. But uh, yeah, it's, it's my club, my local club, my team. You know, people will always ask me who you support and and everyone will say, you know, a Premier League team, a championship team. And then I'm the one that goes Woking. And they're like, who? And I'm like, Woking, Lilla, Woking. Uh, but yeah, I love it. Take it from someone that now lives in the Midlands. It doesn't get any easier when you uh, move out of the area. People yeah. are even more astonished as to who they are. But uh, we were we were just talking before we press record. But um, obviously, you've got the um, the family connection with your granddad. But just curious to know, um, as someone sort of born outside of the the, the glory days of Woking, um, kind of what really sort of formed that bond and kind of turned you, you know, we'll, we'll come on to it later on, that you've been to every single game this season. Um, you know, that's a, a really, really strong bond and connection to form with the football club. Um, I'm just curious kind of what, what what kind of prompted you to reach that point. Yeah, so I don't want to bring the bring the bring bring it down a little, but I mean, my I used to go with my granddad. My granddad was who uh, got me into it, obviously, as I just said. Um and so that was for, for about three or four years. I never had a, never done an away game. It was the odd home game here and there. And as obviously as I'm getting older, I'm getting more interested in playing football and things like this. So going to watch it the weekend became a real buzz to see at that point in my life what I could become. Obviously, that, that never materialised. But at that young age, you know, every young kid wants to be a footballer, um, or the majority at least. And so, yeah, and as well, being that you see all these big games on the telly, but then when you go to this game and and not at that point really understanding what a non-league team is, all I'm there as a little kid is I'm sat in a football stadium and the players are only five, ten yards away from me and I just found that amazing. Um, so then, we, like I said, three, four years down the line and then unfortunately my granddad did pass away and for a year or year and a half, I then lost that bond because I didn't think it was the same anymore without going with him. And then again, getting a little bit older, I thought, well, actually, in his legacy, you know, because he used to take my mum, my uncle, um, and unfortunately, my mum and dad aren't really that much into football, but I thought, well, why don't I continue his legacy by going? So then by 2017, I started away games. My first away game, I think, was, was Maidstone away. Um, the year we went down, thanks to thanks to Mr. Limbrick, and uh, it kind of all formed from there. Really, I thought I was a bad luck charm. I didn't see us win away for like my first six or seven away games. And I thought, oh, this is brilliant. Um, but uh, yeah, carried from there. 
obviously the South season kind of made it easier because every team was pretty much near each other by, you know, your Gloucesters, your Truros and Western Superman. That was the only three away games I didn't do that season. Um, and yeah, and then by the time, obviously, we came up, it was like, right, I'm going to really, really, this is going to be it now. And it, all my money goes towards Woking. Everything I work for on the week is for Woking. Um, did pretty much every game the year of COVID, bar two, and then obviously we had COVID. Um, and then we had the season where we didn't get to go at all. And then, yeah, this season I did all 44 league games and then I did all 49 if you include the five cup games. So the one FA Cup, one FA Trophy and three Surrey Senior Cup. Um, and yeah, it was a blast, really. I mean, well, I say it was a blast. It's, I, I saw more losses than wins this year. Um, I definitely didn't see enough draws. Um, and uh, but I, I mean, it's an incredible achievement. Um I think towards the back end, I, I, it definitely wasn't a target I set. I'll be honest, it wasn't, a, it wasn't at the start of the season, right, I'm going to do every game. It was, it's my club, I want to go and support them. I've done this game, I've done this game. And then towards the back end, I was like, well, for most clubs, because I'm still under 18, I'm considered a junior. So next year, I'm going to have to start paying student or adult prices. I don't really want to be doing that. So why not make the most of it, getting uh, whilst I can now? Um, and yeah, got one as soon as I got to Chesterfield, as soon as that final whistle went, I was like, wow, I've actually done it. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. So, yeah. It's, uh, it's great to hear. And I'm sure uh, I'm sure Mr. Livesey will be very happy to hear that every penny is, is going towards the football club. I'm sure he <laughs> wished yeah. that there was a, a few more in uh, the same position. Yeah. Um, and just finally, um, and, and again, I know it's something we, we talked about before we press record, but I was going to ask you just, just out of interest, your, your favourite player from your time following Woking. Yeah, cool. So, of all time um, is Kevin Betsy. I just, oh, wow, it was unbelievable watching him, the stories. Um, I think I remember my granddad first telling me, uh, might have actually been my first Woking, or down the line, um, and I, I'd, I'd collect all the programmes and he'd point out, look out for this number, look out for that number, and then he'd say for Betsy, um, he he played for Fulham, and I think it I think it was under Kevin Keegan. I might be making it up. I don't know. It might have been a get or something like that. But he made his first game. He played his first game for Fulham at Anfield, and then obviously uh, with a Liverpool connection through my family, um, I found that really interesting. And I was like, oh my god, we've got a player that's played at Liverpool or you know at Anfield. Um, and then yeah, just by being so obsessed with watching him play football and how he played was amazing. And then significantly as well his last ever game which was uh, I think it was 2015 that game against Halifax Town where we won 3-2 uh, that also ended up being my last game with my granddad but the game itself was amazing we scored obviously two goals in injury time I think saved the penalty um, so yeah the whole Kevin Betsy obsession came kind of came in a funny way towards the end of his career rather than the start but that's kind of where I started was towards the back end um, and then obviously you, you have to mention people like Giuseppe Sol because, you know, we haven't had a player reach 100 goals, I don't think, in the 2000, in the 21st century or 20th century, whatever, apart from Giuseppe Sol. So, you know, when you see like on Twitter, the Cardinals tales of the players that have reached 100, there's only really one in our lifetimes. And obviously that's him. So I suppose it's between them two, but I, I probably edge Betsy, yeah. 
I think uh, I think you'd be one that's near the top of a lot of people's list and, and a lot of fans a lot older than than yourself. But uh, thanks, Ben, and we, we look forward to hearing from you for, throughout the the podcast. We'll give you a chance to catch your breath, and and Jacob, um, we'll we'll start with with your thoughts on the last uh, I guess sort of eight games. I think our last episode was was just after the the appointment of Darren Sal as as the new manager. Um, what did you make of the tail end of the season? Yeah, it was um, yeah, it was quite quite a good start. I, I think it's probably came in, in in two parts really. I think that the the early games um, were were interesting, and I think there's some good performances in there, and it felt like there was a bit of new life. Um, it kind of ended probably as a on a bit of a downer, uh, especially the last couple of home games. It felt like kind of everything had just kind of given up, and the season was over, and, and it, obviously it was. So um, yeah, a bit of a negative on that front, but I think. Um, you know, uh, I think we all knew that the the I think it was eight games he got, wasn't it? In the end, I think we, we knew those games were going to be a real trial for you know who deserved to to get a contract for next season and and maybe who didn't. And uh, I know we're going to talk about the retained and release list later on, but it, it feels like you know that you know that really is what happened in those eight games. Um, and he wasn't you know messing around <laughs> and actually did mean that. And uh, I think you could see that, um, you know, and I don't disagree with many of the decisions he made because I think, yeah, in those final few games, it kind of felt like the season was over and a few players had probably checked out, which was, was a bit of a shame because I think some of those earlier games, uh, you know, the Bourne Wood and, and I guess Wrexham was one of the earlier ones as well. Um, you know, there was a bit of a feel-good factor back around the club, wasn't there, which I think we we so badly missed earlier in the season. So, yeah, a bit of, bit of a mixed bag, but... Um, yeah, certainly like some of the aspects of what I'm seeing from, from Saul and he looks like he's made um, a good call on some of the players. So um, onwards and upwards. I think it was important that, you know, obviously accept that that he's there to, to observe first, first and foremost, as he said himself in those eight games, um, that it, it wasn't about the results. It was about learning about the squad, who he wanted to keep for next season. But equally, you know, I think we saw towards the end of last season under Douse, the impact of losing a succession of meaningless games. Um, and I think it was important for Saul to kickstart his working career in the right way and to get a couple of positive results in that run as well. And obviously the the wins on, on TV at, at Boreham Wood and at home to Wrexham stand out amongst those. Um, but I guess this sort of epitomises this or, or this outgoing working squad that those results are mixed in with, you know, our heaviest defeat of the season at home to already relegated Kings Lynn, disappointment against Eastleigh. Um, you know, the non-league is notoriously unpredictable. Um, but I guess that in a nutshell, those those results really sum up this squad and, and our season. Um, ben, what did what did you make of it all? Yeah, so it feels so long ago now. Um, but uh I think you've got to take it back to that that little small period where we had those three games where we beat Chesterfield at home, which at that point they were top and they hadn't lost a single game. Then we went on to Notts County away, which I, we might talk about later on, but I have to say genuinely up there with one of the best, not just games of the season, but I've ever been to. I just It was unbelievable. Um, and then the Dagenham game, and I think also at that point, they were like the highest goal scorers in the league and we kept a clean sheet. So at that point, I was like, you know, we're dreaming here. This is going to be it. And then it kind of all fell apart, didn't it? Um, and yeah, I agree with the Darren Soul uh, era when he came in and he played that game against Boreham Wood. Uh, they hadn't lost at home all season and they were still, I know we now know that they've 
fell off quite a lot after their FA Cup game against Everton. But at that point, it was a, it meant a lot. It was like, wow. Um, and even just by watching the football being played on the pitch, you could see was so different. Um, I know under Ian, we went back to a four, which, you know, I'm not one of these people that are very critical about Douse. Um, you know, he did give a lot to to Woking and I, I will be grateful for what he did. But uh, I, I really seriously don't understand why uh, he, he gave the five a go. Okay, cool, he gave it a go. But in most of our significant games this season with him in charge, we won with a four. So I, it really didn't make any sense to me. Um, but Darren obviously implemented the four and um, even I think he played Max out on the right. And um, I don't I don't know if he likes that or whatever, obviously. But uh, I thought he played really well. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think I'm really, really excited for for next season um, with Darren. I think he's, he's a lot more professional um, he'll probably have more professional contacts, people to bring in. But even the retained and released list itself, I like because he has got rid of quite a few big players, you know, Musa being one of them. And I don't look at that and go, oh, why did you get rid of Moose? You know, he's played 100 games. At the end of the day, these are just names. You know, he knows what he wants to do. He knows the right people to bring in. And we're only kind of, we only kind of, might make that out into a bit of a shock because of how long he's been here. But at the end of the day, he was Dallas's player, you know. I know Cases and, and Kretschmar was as well, but you know, I can I can easily see him going off to Wildstone or something or something like that. It's not, it's, it's not the end of the world for us because I know that who we bring in will be a lot more significant, a lot more professional. And before you know it, you know, amazing for the club. It will just be another name that played for Woking, you know, and we'll move on. <laughs> We are going to come on to uh, the released retained list imminently because I know that's probably the biggest talking point from this week. But just before we do start to look ahead to next season, um, just wanted to get a couple of final reflections on the season just finished. Um, I know you mentioned there your sort of Notts County as, as your highlight, but as again, as someone that, that's been to every game this season, just interested to get your um, kind of couple of best moments, couple of worst moments. Yeah, so obviously best moments would be your Notts County is away. Even just recently, Wrexham at home, that was that was really good. Um, th- th- those are the types of games that remind you why you love not just Woking, but football. Um, I know it sounds daft because I was going week in, week out, so surely you must love it if you're going every single Tuesday, Saturday or whatever, but it's those real significant moments that, it just deep down it reminds you why you know you support this football club why you've been going and, and you know and everything like that um worst moments um if you put Kings Lynn all the way at the start then it would have to be that it was one of the first games I ever contemplated leaving early uh I don't like to leave early I I, I can never do it um I didn't um but uh it was just I was so bored I was really really bored watching that um but it's actually not the worst game this season was Solihull away uh, now, I know we only lost 2-0, but off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure we didn't have a shot on target or it was something similar. Like it was, or it was we didn't have a shot on target in the first or the second. It was something like that. Uh, Dallas obviously got sent off. I think Jamal got sent off. The whole atmosphere was just awful. It was the first game that the whole Dallas out kind of chant started. Um, it was so hostile. It was, it was really bad. Um, so I think... I would probably say that would be worst moments, and then obviously you, you can't you can't not talk about the all shot games. 
because it, it's really heartbreaking again, like over and over and over and over again it's just the same thing in fact when it went to all um i said to a couple of my mates in the carry i said i'm i'm really sorry lads i don't want to be that guy but they are going to score i've seen it time and time again it's just it's their tradition um, have you seen us beat all the shot are you old enough no i haven't <laughs> i genuinely haven't in fact that point against them away was the first time I saw a score points against Aldershot. Can you believe it? So, uh, unfortunately, I wasn't there for that Giuseppe Sol goal. Um, but, uh, yeah. yeah uh, maybe uh, next year. Maybe, maybe next year. year. Maybe next year, yeah. Um, Jacob, um, I know, that, you know, someone that um, has had their moments this season where I think you felt a little bit kind of disconnected from the club after many years of kind of following them home and away as Ben has this year. Um, interested to get your thoughts on kind of those, those moments that did kind of reconnect you um, uh, and those that kind of made you sort of want to step away a bit more permanently. <laughs> Yeah, I think one of the most interesting ones I think about kind of on the on the on the negative side of it was was the Horsham game actually in the FA Cup because that was just after we were we were pretty much on the good run then. I think we you know that wasn't that long after that run of games that, that Ben mentioned earlier. So it was a bit of a strange one in those terms. But I just think at the time, I think I might have texted you and said this. Let's go back through the phone records and see. But like it just it. Yeah, obviously teams losing the cup all the time. That's why the FA Cup is the FA Cup. But it felt like something was wrong that day. And it just didn't really seem to make sense. And I think the way that things started to kind of implode after that, you know, when Dallas came out and was like, we're not getting food for the players anymore and this and that. And da, da, da. And it was like, this kind of feels like it might be a big moment if we don't get over it quite quickly. And then, you know, that was kind of the beginning of, of not the end, because obviously whatever, but like we that was kind of the, the bad run started around that time. And then it just never seemed to get better. So yeah, that was, that was not a great one, but I think actually it was just, I think the comments that I made to you and uh, you know, about the kind of not really enjoying it anymore was the, the around that, and you know, Stockport won the league, you know, and, and Notts County got in the playoffs and, and this kind of thing. So, you know, we shouldn't necessarily be, be beating those teams, you know, or you know, expecting points against them, but, I think both of those games, and I think you know the Barnet, the Boreham Wood ones, just in the lead up to Christmas, where just we were beaten. I remember teams were scoring against us once or twice in the first ten minutes, and then that was it, and the game was pretty much over. And it was just the apathy of everyone was just like the fans didn't really seem to care, the players didn't really seem up for it, the manager didn't know what to do. You know, we were just stuck there at Kingfield with away fans kind of going crazy every week, and we were just they're like we literally it's like a reoccurring nightmare. So yeah, there's, there's a few along the way. And I think that those games and, and Dallas's last one actually was just the, the lack of anything on the pitch was, was even worse actually probably than the Horsham game where, you know, Horsham played quite well and beat us. And, you know, that very last game, Notts County at home, um, they didn't need to play well. I don't think we had a shot all game. We did. Alarakia smashed it over the KRE in the first half. And then Max had a free kick in the second half, which was a cross and everyone missed it. So the keeper caught it and it that was our shot in the game. And it was like, there we go. Uh, terrible. Really, really bad. And that was bad as well because I think we had like so many fans in the ground, like we did for a lot of this season. You know, you're talking like 3,000 fans or whatever and they're watching this dross and it's just like, ah, oh, it's gusting really. But yeah, the good, the good games, you're right. I think the nicest one recently was obviously the Wrexham one to to get that, which which was brilliant, really, um, to get things back on track. And actually, I think Barnet away, I really enjoyed that one. I just think, you know, I think I made a big deal of it on the last podcast we did, but it just felt like after kind of all the stuff that had gone on around the club, 
Whereas kind of, you know, it seemed to be suggested by some people that had left the club that, you know, no douse, no woking, that's it really. Like he was the club. Um, and I think to have that game where we won 2-0 away, we played well, good away day. And, and then kind of, I know Ian kind of had his moment with the supporters at the end and the players did and everything just felt like it connected back up again, which was just really nice. Because again, it's one of, you know, kind of one of the reasons that that we go to football is to, to have that connection and, and enjoy those days. And, and we really did. And it was Barnet that day that were having a meltdown, not us. So um, yeah, some, uh, some definitely some good memories in there. Um, not as many as we would have, would have liked, but um, yeah, certainly, certainly some, some good results and some, you know, we didn't go down this season either. I know we're talking about results, <laughs> but sometimes I, get, I guess you get complacent, don't you? Like obviously Ben mentioned the Limbrick season earlier on, I think when we were talking and, you know, that season, you know, was, was even worse because we got relegated from the league. Whereas this season, when you're not playing for anything from, you know, early March onwards, you know, it's a positive because it means you're not going down, you know, and if you were never going up, then whatever. But actually, it can just make the season just kind of a bit boring near the end and just feel like you're going through the motions. And that was probably summed up by those two last two home games, wasn't it? Of the players just kind of, as I say, checking out and being on the beach and being like, man don't really care anymore um, and that's probably summed up a lot of things so uh so yeah onwards uh, well we'll um we'll, we'll see what comes next but i'm sure you know next season will be uh hopefully a step forwards yeah i suppose we like you say we shouldn't take for granted that this is the first proper completed national league season we've had since the limbrick year when we got relegated obviously two years ago the season didn't finish last season was last season um so this is is kind of been the first year a return to normality um, and the fact that, as you say, we have finished in comfortable kind of lower mid-table um, is is a credit to, to the club and, and the strides forward they have made. Um, I think, you know, I agree that yeah, we've, we've talked at length about Dows um, and we don't need to go over that again, but I think that the time was right for him to step away um, and I think that Darren's arrival has, has kind of brought the, the fresh enthusiasm um, and optimism that we're, we're moving in the right direction and, and hopefully that will carry on into next year. But just finally, before we, we start to look at next season, um, interested to get your your take on sort of best and I guess, I don't want this to sound harsh, but kind of most disappointed, underwhelming players, personnel this season. Um, obviously, I think Max won pretty much every player of the season award going so he's a bit of a given um but if Jacob you want to kick us off with with some thoughts on on Max and kind of any other players that that stood out to you this year um and then we'll come to Ben and get your thoughts as well yeah I think Max Max is the obvious choice isn't he I think it was um you know brilliant for him to have this season and um yeah, I, I think it was it was good to see him see him have that season. I think for many reasons, but because he's been at the club, obviously a couple of spells and different leagues and different you know things, it always felt like he didn't really meet his potential. Whereas this season, I think he did, um, and he really grew as well. I think you know it kind of felt like I think he wore the armband a few times this season as well and stuff like that. But you think you know he's 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 really stepped up. So yeah, I think I think that was really good. I think Ince I think was 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 a was a brilliant player to, to have in there and, and performed, I think, pretty much every time he got on the on the pitch. Unless he got himself sent off, then he didn't perform and then he missed a few games and that happened more than once. Um, but, um, you know, I think he was a really nice one to have in as well. And I think even actually Johnson as well was one that was nice to... to Again, I think he's played out of position for a lot of the season, but I think you saw glimpses, certainly kind of near the back end of the season, stuff of, of the quality that is there and you're like... 
this is an exciting player that you can see at Kingford, which is um, which is good, and, and and that's really nice to see as well. And uh, I guess in terms of the ones that 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 you know probably underperformed, but I guess McNerney did kick on a little bit at the end of the season. But I think if you look at that defence, you know when you said, well, we're signing McNerney on a two-year deal, and we're getting champion in for a season, and you know, Moose is still going to be here and, and you know, these things. And, and then all of a sudden it was like champion, you know, just really didn't do it this year for whatever reason. Joe was off it for 75% of the season, although he obviously got better at the end. And and then that didn't help Musa. And then Ross was having some bad games and the whole defence was just a bit of a thing, which is a shame, right? Because we're probably on record <laughs> earlier doing a podcast in the season going, that defence is actually pretty good, actually, if you look at it and you think blah, 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 and Casey and Lofthouse is like, Lofthouse obviously got injured, but, you know, all of these things. And then in the end, it just felt like our weak spot, didn't it? And um, I guess the only other player as well, actually, Oakley, obviously broke his leg, so you can't really do much with it. I only really tweaked when the, the official account today kind of tweeted his appearance and goals number, just how few goals he actually scored. Um, I think it was once in the second game and that was it um, in the league anyway, certainly. So um, I think for the, the bearing in mind, he was our backup striker for the season. And I know he did miss, you know, over half the season with, with the injury and, and then obviously struggled to get back. But I think to sign a player that has been at the level that he's been at and the clubs he's been at for, for that to be their return for whatever reason, if it's injury or whatever, then, you know, what is fine, but for him to kind of chip in one goal is, I guess, a bit like ah, <laughs> that. That's kind of a disappointment as well, I guess. So a lot of players named there, I guess. But um, I know I probably named pretty much every player we had last season there. So um, it's it's a tricky one. But um, yeah, I think that again, the ones that, that have stuck around are, are the ones that I think I probably praised from from this season as well. And obviously, Max not confirmed yet, but hopefully he will be soon. And uh, Ben, and I think uh, to add, yeah. So I, I mean, I agree. With, uh, with Max, you know, I think he had 21 goal involvements this year um, and he's obviously a midfield player, so he has to be the best player, obviously, of the season. Um, I think other things to throw in there, definitely Kyron. I was really impressed with Kyron this year. Um, I thought it was really nice for us to see, um, once again, having a defender who can get forward because, um, you know, Case, when I think of Casey, I do more, more so think of it you know, your traditional left-back um, in defence, whereas Kyron was getting forward quite a lot. Obviously, altering him away, I think it ended up winning goal of the season, was a brilliant goal. We were right behind it. It was really pouring, pouring with rain that day. Um, so I just about saw it through, constantly rubbing my eyes, get the, get the uh, rain out of the way. But um, uh, so I, I would throw Kyron. I agree, Tyreek. Um, I think at the start of the season, he was really, really good because um, obviously, like we mentioned, he was playing more of a left-wing back role um, at first, when I when I saw he was playing that, I thought actually I, I don't mind this because Chesterfield away back in 2019 towards the start of the season, um, I think we well, well I was there we won two one. He played left wing back and he played really really well, and uh, so I wasn't surprised to see him back in that position. But obviously, ultimately, it, it's it's not his position, so should never really have played there. Um, but he was doing really well. It was just his final ball. Unfortunately, he'd get to the byline and then it would go over the goal or it would go all over the players. That's one thing we've had this year. We've, we've been awful with set pieces, both defending them and attacking them. Really, really poor. Um, but uh, so, I, you know, and I think and you, you've got to shout out Craig Ross, probably, in my opinion, one of the best shot stoppers in the league. Um, I know people, when they talk about goalies, all they talk about is clean sheets. But in terms of, you know, match winning saves or just saves in general, some of them have been outrageous this year. 
Um, worst performance, I'm going to think a little bit outside the box this year, not necessarily the players that are still here or have just recently left. Um, but I think one of the, I don't want to be disrespectful, but one of the worst players came in would probably be Louis Britton. Um, it goes in a list, a certain list for me with the likes of Jamal Edwards, Louis Theophanes, uh, Dwayne Aforia Chempong. It's just strikers that didn't really do it for Woking, I'm afraid, for one reason or the other. Uh, it just wasn't to be. Obviously, wish him the best and whatever happens to him didn't really work out. Uh, again, I think his first game away was Solihull away, which wasn't great. He probably came in thinking, what, 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 all these fans, not like the club or anything. Unfortunately, it was just the start of a, of a, of a meltdown. Um, another one, I'm not going to say bad performer because he played one game and I only want to mention the name just just for the fun of it but Yeovil away in the FA Trophy it was uh, I think it was a week before Christmas we only took 30 fans um, it was you know I don't because I think Covid was starting back up and no one wanted to risk it before Christmas and we signed a player called Shane Dunn and he played the game um, I think I don't know if he played the full 90 or what but he played the game he announced he, didn't he come on for the last 10 minutes when we were winning and we lost 3-1 yeah <laughs> it might have been that and then we announced him before kickoff. it was one of those like back in the south days you announce a player before, and he's thrown straight in like Donovan McComa and all them lot um, but uh, yeah it's, uh, he, he played and was like alright cool well sign cool never played again I don't know why I think he went to Hampton I don't know honestly I, I don't yeah, know yeah, I, think he's, I think he's still there someone tell yeah. me I don't know um, so yeah I, I just wanted to mention that one because for a player to come in and play one game and then no I, do you know what if you ask most Woking fans this year I can guarantee you they'd go who because no one you know no one's going to remember him uh, but I, yeah I just thought a bit outside the box this uh, and I agree with uh, Jacob um, you know George it's a, it is a shame it's a real shame I spoke to him uh, when I went to Walton in the Surrey Senior Cup and he's like, oh, I'm really excited to be back. And uh, famous things, well, famous quote to me and my mate, he said, knee slide pending. Unfortunately, we didn't get that knee slide. So wherever his next club is, I, I hope it's still pending for them. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, overall, um, obviously it could have been a better season. I like to um, kind of compare our season with Torquay. I say, if everything went our way this year, we probably would have finished just above the 60 mark um, where Torquay did in top in the top half. But uh, you live and you learn and uh, we go next season. Yeah, I uh, I think well, there was uh, one of you said uh, slightly earlier that uh, we went uh, or, or looking forward to the, the slight step up in, in professionalism next season. And I, I don't think I'll miss the uh, random last minute sort yeah. of half an hour before kickoff signings players that inevitably play one or two games and are then never seen from again you always get one of the, one or two of those at, at non-league level but rarely do they they work out well I'm sure someone will dig something up that proves that wrong but uh, yeah that and Dallas's record of signing loan strikers is, was, was not the best but as you say we, we, we look forward to that I think the only other name that that I would throw out there which I know is one that um, polarises a, a little bit in the fan base, but neither of you mentioned there was Ine Fion. Obviously, incredibly streaky player. Um, has a really good runs where he'll look like a world beater for a couple of months, and then he'll have two or three months where he can't hit the target, seemingly. Um, but, you know, ultimately for a, a centre-forward to, to, to be double figures in goals without 
taking any penalties is is, is not to, to be sniffed at. It's it's not something, you know, obviously we were very lucky to have Tarv on for the, the first half of the season. Um, but, you know, last season, I think our top scorer was Max on seven and that probably included a couple of penalties. So um, I think Innes had a, a decent year and, and hopefully with um, slightly better players around him and hopefully some better crosses, um, he might get a couple more next year. Um, so the interesting thing about, well. about that, I guess, Glenn, is I think the, the way I was thinking about it was like players that have like overperformed or underperformed like in your mind. And that Ethiel, like, I think... He's performed exactly like, as you like, expected yeah. him to. I was like, that's what he's <laughs> going to do that and that's what he'll do and that's what we got. And it was like, I think that's why like a lot of people doesn't jump out to a lot of people. But you're right. Fair, the fair. stats speak for themselves. <laughs> and if, if if you'd have had, you know, Oakley wouldn't have broken his leg and say he got like 10 goals, Oakley got 10 goals or, you know, it's all if that's amazing, isn't it? But then like, it would it would have been so much better. But you're right. The stats that he had when he didn't take that many penalties, you just think, but it's just standard Effiong, isn't it? I think he goes through patches and like many strikers and doesn't take pens. And, but yeah, if you know, if we can keep him and, and get someone up alongside him or get the, the crosses in the box, then yeah, then he might even kick on next season. But um, yeah, that feels like the, the standard Effiong season. So yeah, well, he'll, he'll sit right in the middle between the two, maybe if we got exactly what we expected we would, which is great because <laughs> that's what we wanted. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. With I think that. also just just lastly as well, talking about players, um, you mentioned Tav on there. Um, it was really it was it was really interesting at the time because obviously he was our first. I, d- I don't know how much he went for. I think I knew at the time, or I, I heard someone mention. I can't remember anymore, but it was obviously a big sum, and I wasn't too fussed because you know it's a shame we had it with Joe Ward and and I think it was also any in in that season with Anthony Limbrick. Losing players in January is always really hard, but I, well, I didn't really mind Tavon going because uh, I knew for the benefit of the club and obviously the period we were in with COVID, that money could be reinvested really well. But then in the end, in the end, it was probably used to pay off Dowser's contract. So <laughs> unfortunately, I don't know what ever happened to that money if we still have it or we had to get rid of it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I wish Tavon all the best. I don't know if it, I don't think it particularly worked out at Rochdale. I think he actually got injured as well. Um, we'll have you back, Tavon, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, or well, if it was used to pay off Dallas's contract, I'll be the one that says money well spent because uh, <laughs> hey, I've already made an enemy there. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll move swiftly on um, and talk about the the retained release list, which I know is what everyone has hopefully been waiting for. Um, just in case you haven't seen it, I will quickly run through it. So the following players remain under contract with the club or have signed new deals during the season. So that is Craig Ross, Kieran Lofthouse, Joe McNerney, Josh Casey, Rowan Ince and Tyreek Johnson. The following players are currently in contract discussions with the club, which is Max Kretschmar, Innie Effiong, Jack Rolls and Jermaine Anderson. Um, the following players have returned to their parent clubs following the conclusion of their loan deals, which is Nicky Kabamba, David Longking and Louis, Louis Annesley. Uh, and the following players have been released following the expiry of their contracts. And that is Mark Smith, Tom Champion, Musa Diara, Jamal Loza, Solomon Mabuke, George Oakley, Taran Alarakia, Tommy Block, Leo Hamlin and Selim Saeed. I'm also just realising I think that might be one of the first times I've said Solomon's surname out loud and I didn't know how to pronounce it until I got there. there. (laughs) I'll take it, thank you. Um, So, uh, Jacob, if we start with you, um, kind of just initial initial thoughts, initial impressions, What, what did you make of the list when you saw it? Yeah, I think the one that jumped out straight away was 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 obviously retaining in. So I think that was a really a really good one, a really smart one. Because um, there's a few players that I, 
knew we would offer contracts too, but whether they would accept them or not was another story. Um, and I think with a lot of fans had been kind of having this conversation in the build up to it, like, who should we keep? Who should we not? It's like, well, we'll keep this, this, and this. It's like, well, they've got to agree to stay. So that's a hurdle we've got to clear. And someone like Ince, like, I think he could easily go higher than, than he is at Woking. And it's just great to see him, him, him buy into it. So that, that was really good. Um, yeah. I think Anderson being in discussion is, 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 is interesting. Um, you know, cause I think that there's, probably similar players, you know, Solomon and, and him. I mean, I don't know. I, Anderson, I don't know, maybe maybe because he's, he's better maybe in the final third or something. I don't, he proved that in with the goal against Wrexham, I guess, where he slipped a great ball through. And I don't know, Solomon doesn't really bring you bring too much going forwards. There's been a lot of chances he's kind of messed up this season. He's, he's kind of famously a bad a bad uh, a striker. So, yeah, that was the only one where, where I looked at kind of them ones. And I think everything else has just pretty much made sense. Um, you know, I... I know a lot of people were maybe surprised about, you know, Musa or, you know, even people like Loza to an extent. But I think a lot of those players, champion maybe included too, really did play themselves out of contention, I think, in those last few weeks. And that's what was quite, you know, I think disappointing. But I think maybe if they were looking to leave, then it, it probably made sense. And, you know, maybe they're not actually that fast. Maybe they thought it was time for a change anyway. But I think when you saw uh, the Kings Ling game, I think it was like, was it... Th- three back passes in one game or there's at least two in the game. Um, I think that there was two and then the other goal, like uh, Diara and Casey was like mad out of position and, and we conceded and you were just like, wow, this is actually like, we can't keep doing this. And obviously then again, the same thing against Eastley and you look at those things and, you know, I, I think, um, you know, under Sal as well, you probably saw the two sides of Loza, you know, the, the one that's taking chances, the one that's quite excited, and then, you know, the one that's not really delivering and, and could cost you with stupid things like you did um, in, in, the, in the Eastley game. Not that that did really cost us, in my opinion, but, you know, I think when you're the manager and you're trying to decide who you want to keep, that's not going to help you, um, you know, so you, unfortunately he has to move on. So, yeah, no, I, 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 th- I think re- it was really, I think, to be expected, but I think overall the thing that I liked most about this, A, the fact we did a retained list for the first time, I think ever, uh, which was good. Um, and also, you know, it made those eight games, it put them in context a little bit more because now I feel like there was a reason to those eight games. The problem that I had in previous seasons, and this is, isn't just downs, this is other, Gary was the same, um, where it was just like, we got to the end of the season, it was just like, we're pretty much going to re-sign everyone here. Other than the low knees that are going to have to go back, we're pretty much going to try and retain a lot of this team and then one by one it would just be like the same players kind of coming back um, and you'd just be like oh this team's going to be virtually the same as last season which could be good could be bad depends on how well we've done right um, but I think in recent years like the end of that the Covid year it was kind of like well at least next season we're going to have a you know property and then it was you know announcing a lot of the same players was coming over and they had probably been mentally affected by the fact they had lost so many games in a row and and those kind of things so I think the, the balance of it I think is the best thing for me because I think all of those players that have been retained I know some of them were on two-year deals anyway but I'd have kept them even if they weren't um, and then yeah you've got those four that have been offered deals Max Inney uh, Rolls and, and Anderson you know if they if they stay I think that that'd be brilliant if they don't then best of luck to them because I think that they'll all go higher if they don't stay so, and I don't think you can question you know that kind of thing fair play to them if they want to do that if they dip to the league below and go and sign for Dorking or something if they don't get promoted then shame on them but I think if not then then fair play I wouldn't have had any of the loan players back so fine I think every player that's departed you know I, I wouldn't have had back anyway so I think in, in terms of that I say fair play to, to, to Darren and that's got me excited for, for next season 
Yeah, I think what was the most interesting thing for me was the way that the rhetoric seemed to change over the last eight weeks. You know, we had Rob Hemingway on the last podcast and and he was very much of the opinion using his inside knowledge that it was going to be evolution, not revolution, um, and that we were going to see maybe 75% of this squad retained for next season. And like you say, whether there has been three or four players that over the last few weeks have played their way out of contracts rather than into contracts. It does seem that that list has got smaller. Um, you know, we're still at the point where there could be up to 10 players staying on from this season. And I would agree, I think, certainly the, without wishing to, to disrespect Jermaine Anderson, the nine best players we've seen this season. And, you know, it doesn't take a genius to look at the pedigree that Anderson has to understand where Sal's coming from and the fact that he could well have seen more in training than, than we've been able to see in what has been a, a short spell from a player coming back from a, a very serious injury. So you would hope that there, there is more to come from him there. But but I would agree, certainly very encouraged by by the business that's been done so far and, and excited about what's to come. But um, Ben, what, what were your initial thoughts? Yeah, well, it's funny because... I've always wanted us to have a retained and released list. Um, it was genuinely crazy it happened because only the day before I was talking to my friend saying, you know, it'd be nice if we did this next day, get a tweet, retained and release list. Um, it's just a bit more professional, in my opinion. It gives us an idea of what's going on during the off-season. Um, you know, we know now, obviously, you know, it says it in bold on the website, who stays, who we want to stay, who's gone um, up. You know, for me personally, I'm really gutted we've, we've lost Salim. Um, you know, I know most Woking fans, will, some might say who, and some will be like, well, you know, he never, he never played or he played the two games in the COVID year. From what I know um, through friends and, and through knowing certain players uh, in training, this guy was unreal. Uh, I believe as well, I don't want to be quoted on this, but I was told by members of the academy that he had a trial with Manchester United now how that came about, whether that was him, he just went along to something or he got scoured or whatever, I don't know. But things like this for players at our level, um, you know, I just feel like that's a really big let go with Salim. Whether it be a physical, a physicality thing and he's not maybe ready for the National League, I don't know. But I feel like, especially with Darren, because from what I've heard, he really, really likes academy. You know, obviously he had that job at Watford uh, under 23s or just in the academy. Um, and he's even said uh, to David or to Ian, um, you know, he, David Holmes or Ian Nicholson, that he, you know, he, he's a big fan of, of youth. You know, he, he wants to promote it. So I think to, to lose Salim is quite harsh. Um, also, for me personally, it's a shame to lose uh, Callum Backer. It's one of my mates because I know he's been at Woking his whole life, but uh, all the best to him. Um, but yeah, you know, like, you, like I said earlier with Musa, they're just names. Um, we will get on with it. It's thank you for his service. Obviously, we'll always I'll always think back to the the goal against Willstone in the in the playoff semi final, almost like the reprise um, of the comeback. And uh, yeah, Tom Champion. I I don't know if either of you two would have seen this, but he put I think he put a tweet out the other day saying he is actually staying. Now I don't know in what capacity whether he might be taking on a coaching role. I don't know, but apparently he deleted the tweet five minutes later. So whether that be a he was told by the club you can't say this shit, or I don't know, I don't know what. Um, it certainly I'll, wouldn't surprise me from 
what seems to have been said online and things. I thought it was notable that uh, our former chairperson uh, came out on uh, cards board and kind of ran down his CV of coaching badges. So I think I think we could well expect to see him soon. Yeah. And uh, so it's a shame because at the start of the season, I genuinely thought, wow, we have signed the greatest midfielder of all time. Um, but uh, it didn't materialise towards the back end. I think when Ince was out, I think he had. I think he was one of the players with COVID, and it was just so. And I think he was playing in the field with Casey at one point. I remember Yeovil away and Casey playing. It just wasn't the same, and he lost his touch towards the back end, uh, which is a real shame because I really, really did love Sol. I loved him so much that I said during the season, oh, "I might as well try and learn his last name." Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, what a what a player! And uh, Tommy Block, I think, was quite harsh because. In we again, I'll mention Yeovil away, but this time in the league, um, he played right back, was probably the best player on the day or the only good player, and he got subbed off after 60. And I thought he clearly is not, he's not wanted. Um, I heard uh, again, I don't want to be quoted on this, but I heard through through others that he said that he just knows he's not going to be played. Uh, he knows Dows doesn't want to play him, and then obviously he got he got shipped out. And any of the players that were out on loan, including Leo, all of these players. I think I don't know about if they would have thought this or not, but I think we could have all known none of them were going to get to sign contracts because none of them got to show Darren, you know, what he wanted. Darren even said in an interview, I'm not basing this on training, I'm basing this on the matches. So obviously that meant, you know, they were never going to get to show anything. Um, Taron, uh, I think it, if I'm right in thinking, Chesterfield away on Sunday was the only game he got to play in front of Darren. Um, we were saying in the stands at half-time, if he doesn't come on, it would be quite harsh considering, you know, Darren said he wants to give everyone a go and then Taron's not. Um, but again, whether he'd scored a hat-trick, you know, I don't think we would have kept him on. Um, so again, all the best. And yeah, again, you know, Mark Smith, I think was a really, I think for the first time in a long time, we actually had two goalkeepers. Um, I think back to when we just were signing random ones like Nick Hayes in the Conference South or Christian Paulet Brig or, or whatever, like, you know, they were just goalies that would play in the Surrey Senior Cup game or whatever, and or um, James Dunn, I think it was. Whereas Mark Smith really kind of gave Rossi a, a run for his money this year. Um, and uh, so, you know, it was good to have almost those, in quotation marks, two number ones, but, you know, Rossi will, will always be our number one. And uh, But overall... Yeah, I'm impressed. I just like, again, I take it back to my point, I like the fact that we know what's going on. Um, I like the fact that, you know, going forward, we can be like, okay, you know, if, if, if Max was to mysteriously disappear, we can at least go, well, the club obviously tried. You know, we won't be like, oh, why didn't he, you know, let Max have a contract? Because uh, in yeah. previous years, it's always finding out on other clubs' Twitter, you know, that another player's been signed and we're like, oh, right, well, what happened to him then? Why, why is Manny Parry now at Maidenhead? Do you know what I mean? Why is Kane Ferdinand now at Maidenhead? What, why has this happened? Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, I think then if we just go quickly through the squad um, section by section, um, as we look ahead to next season, we've got give or take kind of 50% of the squad signed up. So, um, if I kind of throw backwards and forwards between the two of you, I'd be interested to know where you think we need to strengthen ahead of the new season. Um, if we start, obviously, in the goalkeeping department, um, I know, Ben, you've 
spoken highly already of, of Craig Ross um, and you, you, you talked briefly about Mark Smith there and the, the advantage of having two number ones. Are you expecting uh, a similar signing or are you thinking that, that maybe Darren is looking for, you know, potentially someone to come and, and surpass Craig Ross? Well, it is interesting because um, I'm pretty sure every game under Darren, he hasn't named a keeper on the bench, or at least for quite a few, he hasn't named a keeper on the bench. It's clearly not in his thinking, which is fine. I, I've always said, and it's it's extremely rare that a keeper does come off or get sent off or whatever, uh, although I think it did actually happen to, to Aldershot um, quite recently, but, you know, who cares about them? Um, and, uh, yeah, so in that front... On that front, it's interesting, obviously, as well, getting rid of Callum. Um, it currently means we only have one signed-on goalkeeper. Um, so there's obviously going to be someone who comes in, whether it is in a fighting for number one or just uh, just here to help out in the practices. Do you know what I mean? With with Craig and Matt Matt Winter. Um, but no, I, I do think there'll be, there, there will be another keeper that does come in to challenge. Um, be interesting to kind of take the age range from whoever this guy is, whether he'll be a young person, because Rossi goalkeepers complain until they're 40, but I think he is into his 30s now, 31, 32, whatever. Um, it could be for the future, or it could just be another experienced pro who's towards the back end of their career, coming in, fighting with Rossi to see what's what. So so that will be quite interesting to see. Um, so, so, yeah. Um, and Jacob, if we talk to you on the defence, we've got um, Kyron um, to come back from injury. We've got Josh Casey retained. Um, we've got Joe McNerney on the second year of his two-year deal, but potentially quite a lot of change in a, in a back line that, that has struggled this year. Um, obviously, Luke Wilkinson, Yeovil's captain, heavily linked and, and expected to come in, but I think we're, we're probably expecting one or two more to, to join him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, as, as I kind of mentioned earlier about the back line, that's, that's really what lets down a lot of times this season. So I think it would be, be really good to, to add some players in there and, um, and have enough change as well. Um, you know, you know, for, for, foreseeably we could start a game next season and have Casey at left back, Lofthouse at right back, Joe in the middle and Ross in goal. It's a bit too similar for me. Um, and also, you know, a lot, I think the biggest question as well about that is whether Lost House is going to play right back or if he's going to be further forwards, um, you know, as a, as a midfielder or, or a winger or something next season. A little, little bit what like What would you prefer? Um, well, he didn't really ever play. The first couple of games he played for us, he played right wing, I think. And I didn't rate him at all. <laughs> and then he moved to right, right back or right wing back, or whatever he was, and he looked really good. Um, but we never saw him kind of go back up into the midfield position. So I'd be interested to see, because I think that what we saw with Torrey Johnson was when he was playing up left wing back, um, although it did work in his first spell with us, it didn't really this time. And then when, when he kind of got moved into midfield, he looks a lot better. So, but again, it's good to have a squad where you've got versatile players, I think, isn't it? Um, but I think actually I might prefer a solid right back that doesn't necessarily need to charge forward all the time um, and then have Lost House ahead of them. Um, and if you want to play five at the back, then um, yeah, Lost House can maybe play right wing back. So yeah, he might be wasted a little bit back there. Uh, but actually one thing near the end of the season, there was a few, a few games in, you know, the, the final couple of months of the season um, when Lost House was injured and we would ping the ball around and ordinarily, when Lofthouse was fit, you would pass the ball around and the ball would finally reach the right-back position and Lofthouse would, like, fizz a ball in and would have a chance. But, like, when Long King was playing right-back, 
the ball would like go around da, 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 and then you'd finally get to like Long King and you're like, oh no. And he's not a right, he's not, he's not even really a right back, let alone a right wing back or whatever. And he would he would deliver a crap ball and they'd clear it and whatever. But it just made you think like having someone like Loftus at right back can work or right wing back can work because of, you know, so that's how we play sometimes and you can whip the ball in and that's really exciting. But yeah, I think next season, I mean, Sarles teams, I think if you look at them or that Yeovil team, it was like first and foremost, they keep a clean sheet or can see one at most and then they don't have to score three four goals to win a game and I think if you're going to do that I think I might just have a right back that's interested in just defending or 90% defending and not one that's looking to get forward all the time because it's great but then if that means you're going to concede quite a lot of goals I can't be doing that again so yeah I think that's my thing and the other on the other side as well I think it's just um, you know what what Casey wants to do I'd be interested because although he did have good moments this season and, and he was one of the players I think that played really well under Saul at the end actually um, and, and earned his new deal I think and he's a great player to have around the club anyway captain and, and all of these things but yeah whether he's going to be the first choice left back for the whole season I think it might be we might have to get some competition in there, I think, you know, whether he's out injured or off form or whatever. I think it'd be good to have two almost number ones in that position as well. Because, um, yeah, I think he's one of those players who probably has a ceiling. Um, you know, I'm sure he'll admit that himself, like players do. Um, and Ryan Ince's ceiling, for example, will be higher than someone else's in the team, you know, for example. And, you know, Casey's is, is a solid National League player probably at the moment, but but bottom half, mid-table probably. Um, you know, so he's not going to give you eight, nine out of tens every single week in this league. He's just not. Um, so I think it would be good to have options there because I think we've not really had them before at left-back um, just because we've relied so heavily on him. And um, I just think we've got warning signs this season that we might not want to do that for the full 40 however many games. So, yeah, I think for, it's not really a straight answer to the question, but I think it is an area where a couple more centre-backs will have to come in and then, and then maybe, you know, even, you know, cover on, on either side. So it could be quite a big job back there, I think, mainly because Darren does like to, I think, build out from the back and keep things tight. And this previous working team just didn't do that. Hmm. It, yeah. it's, it's interesting with the fullbacks because obviously these days, um, you know, people all around the world, when you think of football now, you know, fullbacks are a massive part of the game it's not like that that saying no one wants to be a Gary Neville because everyone now wants to be wants to be a fullback um but you know we have to remember at the end of the day we are still we are talking about step five of English football we aren't going to have the next Trent Alexander-Arnold in our team in fact I think Casey this year only had two assists now that that says a lot um but like Jacob said whether it's we have a solid back four you mentioned five there that brought back terrible memories, terrible, terrible <laughs> memories. Uh, whether it be a four or five, whatever it may be, um, I, you know, I do agree. Um, it, it will be a cemented, it will be cemented. It will be, first and foremost, let's stop the ball going in Rossi's net or whoever, and then, then let's let's find a way. But then on the flip side, and I know we are going to, to move on to midfielder striker, so I won't say too much, but Darren did say, it's kind of the first time in his in his career or in a long time that he's had wide players. So whether he's going to try and and, and, and change something and, and, and let that adapt or whatever that may be, getting overlaps or whatever, that will also be quite interesting to see. So the, the last thing you want is to have a player who is having to play something new because it, it does seem to be quite, it does seem to be something that we do at Woking. I think back to Jordan Winter. He was a, we signed him, he was a midfielder, he ended up playing centre-back. Tom Champion was a midfielder, he ended up playing centre-back. John, Josh Staunton was a midfielder, 
he played for us centre back. So we do seem to play, sign players and say to them, for this year, could you give us a shift at the back, please? No, let's actually go out of our way, sign a defender who plays at the back, and then if he can get forward, he can get forward. But you know, let's not sign a midfielder and just chuck him straight in at the back. We also had Joey Jones, who changed his mind every week. Um, uh, so if we if we move on then to to the midfield, obviously you know there's there's still a couple of names in there that are are pending uh, contract renewals. But um, talking theoretically, if we were in a position where we have Rowan Hintz, Jermaine Anderson, Jack Rolls, Max Kretschmer, looking relatively well stocked in there. So Ben, we'll get your your thoughts first of all. Yeah, well, the the Jack Rolls one again. I know I've repeated myself quite a lot today. It's just a name. I I obviously his goal against Eastley was good, and he has come from you know he's got a nice CV to say where he was at Tottenham Palace, and he has had glimpses. I don't think he's been given enough time at all uh, to play. He, he definitely he's. I remember altering him away. I think it was where he made his debut. Um, he only played five minutes and straight away, oh, yeah, yeah, Jack Rolls, unbelievable. I think he did one flip-flap or, or took on one player and that was it. You know, I, I think we he needs a couple of games under his belts for us to really be like, OK, yes, all this build-up, all this talk and analysis of Jack Rolls, the footballer, it, it's worth it. Let You know, what a player we've got on our hands here. I don't, I can't say anything yet. He's, he's not done enough for me, but that's not his fault. He's just not been given enough time, so... It's great that he has been given, or, or is under contract, or been given a new contract, or whatever's going on with him, because it means we can finally be like, if you know, if he was to go on to another club and do really well, we we don't say what if. So I'm I'm happy on that front. Um, Rowan, yeah, unbelievable. I think if it wasn't for his two red cards this year, he could have been in contention for Player of the Season and and, and COVID as well. Um, unbelievable player. I think um, I think Portsmouth were looking at him once over the Christmas period. So that just shows you, you know, how well he is. And and uh, I couldn't believe it when we got him at the start of the season. I was like, you know, I thought at this point he must be at the end of his career and he's not. Because, you know, again, his CV with Brighton and everything like that in the Football League, really impressive. And you, and you can see anything, unfortunately, with Rowan is he can get into the box, not just outside. He can fully get in and he doesn't want to pull the trigger. He still wants to find that pass. He seems to really want the assist more than just tucking it in in the bottom left or right-hand corner. Uh, so hopefully that's something he can work on it, it is, is finishing just as well as getting forward and, and everything else in between. Um, yeah, Max is Max. We've spoken about Max. Whatever happens, he'll definitely be on the score sheet because of penalties and he's Mr. Reliable from the spot and things like that. Uh, and then Jermaine Anderson, again, you, you said it earlier, Glenn, it, you know, between Jermaine and Sol, was there really much of a difference? You know, maybe again, Jermaine might get a little bit further forward. It will be interesting. Um, I'm pretty sure he's on holiday at the minute, so he won't be signing any contracts. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, and then hopefully there's a blend of almost CDM in a way, your experienced National League. He's going to put his head in. He's going to put his foot in. He's going to protect the, the bat for whatever it may be. But then also there is some young, midfielders who want to get forward, who play left, play right, um, you know, get out wide, get in the middle, take shots off, chase back, box to box. Um, you know, I think a lot of the time this year I've, I've watched Woking, we might be attacking, the other team will counter-attack and we'll make a foul right on the edge of the box or, you know, a tactical foul, a professional foul, but right on the edge of the box, right in the corner. 
Whereas other teams, they'll as soon as we may turn over the ball, that's it. They'll take the yellow card there and then. They've got time to get back into their half and then they play again. We've been too nice sometimes this season. So hopefully we get a player in experience, know what they're doing, take it from there. Yeah. Um, and just finally then, Jacob, come to you for the forward positions. Um, and I'm including the wide players in this. Obviously, just uh, Tyreek Johnson signed at the moment with, with Ineff Young potentially to join him. Um, imagine you're, you're hoping for some, some strong reinforcements up, up top. Yeah, I think when um, one of the things that Darren was saying when he came in was that he liked the, the wide players and he had never had like such good ones, and that kind of made me think that you know Lozer and, and Johnson might start on the wings next season. Now obviously Lozer's left and Oakley's left as well, so there's two players there that, that have gone, and, and if any goes as well, then it, it will be a complete re- rebuild, you know, ra- around the front line. So yeah, I think the, the, the thing for me next season will be having options so you can change that formation. I thought what was really good, actually, is when we played that Boring Wood game, I think Saul went 4-4-2 or, or something similar. There's definitely two up top in his first game um, with Oakley and Innie kind of up front at the two. Um, and it worked quite well. Like, there was, they created quite a few chances, but they probably should have passed to each other when they shot and vice versa and those things. And that happened quite a bit in that game because there probably wasn't that understanding or they were trying to get a goal in front of the new manager or whatever. And, you know, it's fine. But um, I think that showed that it's, it's important sometimes to change it up um, and not just say, well, we're only going to have one up front or we're going to have three up front or, you know, whatever you're going to do. Um, so, yeah, maybe even a player we've not had in quite a few years is that maybe smaller player to play off of a, a bigger man and the kind of, you know, Rendell and Marriott kind of thing that we had back in the day and maybe something similar to that where you've kind of got a, a pacey, a smaller player, but who is a finisher and is a striker, is not a winger. Um, that might be a good option to have just so we can play one up top, three up top, two up top, whatever you want to do. That would probably be the, the best way to do it. But probably the hardest position in football to sign for, uh, to sign a player for, I would say, isn't it? Um, other than your backup goalkeeper, which we've discussed before, because he wants to come and sit on the bench. But, um, you know, if a, if a striker is banging in goals at this level, that'd probably be going to the Football League. So you've really got to, you've really got to be savvy with it, I think. So it'd be interesting to see where we go with that. And we'll probably, normally strikers, you see them in pre-season, don't you? Kind of having a chance as trialists and are they going to, you know, score goals and stuff like that? Yeah, and I suppose the risk is that if you, you know, start handing out two-year contracts or something like that and it doesn't work out, you could be in the position of our near neighbours where you've got half a dozen players sitting in the reserves that you don't really want anymore um, and strikers are such a big risk and, and sometimes if it doesn't work out, it doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad player. It just means that for whatever reason, it's it, they've not fit in with the club, they've not fit in with the rest of the squad. Um, it's just not quite clicked for them. And I think with, with strikers, that that's kind of where you see that happen most frequently, particularly at this level. You'll see a player that will go and score 20, 25 goals, maybe in National League South or something like that. Um, and then it'll try and make the step up and, and it'll prove a real challenge for them. So it is a lot easier um, if you are going to take a chance on a player to go for the sort of one-year contract as we did with Campbell. Um, and obviously then they're then sort of easy pickings for football league clubs that are getting a little bit desperate and need a new striker in January. So like definitely going to be an interesting one. Sorry, Ben? It's like a lose-lose, isn't it, really? Sign a striker at the start of the season, he's going to do really well for you. He's gone by January. Or he's not going to do really well for you and it's a waste of money. It, it, unfortunately, at our level, that, that's kind of how it is. It's, it's almost the dream scenario is you get a really good striker come into form or you sign one in January for the back end <laughs> of the season, but you 
know, it doesn't work like that sometimes. Um, yeah. I think the dream scenario is just to go back to what we uh, were saying earlier is that you have Ine who uh, goes on these streaky runs and as long as he avoids his really good streak around the January transfer window, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right, I've got two more questions, um, which I'll just throw out to the floor and you can you can both pitch in on these before we wrap up. Um, and the penultimate question is looking at new signings, new faces. Obviously, we mentioned uh, Wilkinson as one potential arrival from Yeovil. I know that there'll be plenty of fans that are obviously casting a keen eye over Yeovil's squad, given everything that's gone on there and the obvious connections that we have uh, through Darren. Um, but but just interested for, for either of you to, to throw out any names of players that you'd like to see, um, that you think we could realistically be picking up, that you think that would make a big difference to our squad. Um, yeah, just interested to get your takes. I think my, my, my claim to fame was the other uh, a few years ago, I predicted we'd signed Dave Tarpey. Um, but since then, I know, uh, like you said, it really will definitely pick in with Yeovil. I think even Charlie Lee or, or whatever his name is may even be coming on the staff side of things. I don't know what will happen to Ian Dyer. I hope we do keep Ian Dyer. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I couldn't really give you specific names. Well, I could give you specific names, but it, it wouldn't really necessarily be worth it from the sense of, you know, would it would it fit into the way Woking play? It's just a player that's done well in the National League. Like, I, I could say Paul Mullen, but it's never going to happen. These things, you know, it's just, it's like, why don't we sign Messi? Do you know what I mean? But it, it, I like the idea of where we need to strengthen, i.e. attacking, definitely. Um, and it, it will be interesting. But it, it seems to be every year, there's always that one signing that will come in and we're straight on Wikipedia. Oh, who's he? Who's he? And then we'll, on the flip side, we'll have another signing and be like, no way, how have we got him? So I'm, I'm sure there'll definitely be, be a few of those in there. Jacob, yeah. You look like you're doing some hasty research. Yeah, because I don't know any players, so it helps. But I was just going by your logic of if you could pick someone up from the Conference South or something in terms of goal scorers. So I googled the top goal scorers in the Conference South. Um, (laughs) And to be honest, there's actually not many names amongst the players there. There's there's some impressive figures, though. Um, There's been a lot of big goal scorers in the the National League South this year, yeah. Yeah, there is. And you're right, though, because I think when, when you mentioned, like, so, like, Theo Theo Pathantis, is is that what his name was? Theo, Theo, whatever he's he's playing step nine now. Well, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Then, so he's. Um, but when we signed him, he was banging in goals in the in the Conference South. I mean, he was he was more than good enough there, and just couldn't couldn't do it as the step up and noticeably Sean Jeffers, who we had for like one or two games back in the day. Um, he's down there with twenty seven goals as well, which is quite interesting to see. And uh, yeah, so there's a few players around there. So um, yeah, I don't I don't know. None of them really. Massively jump out, although there's a few of them got goals, but I think they're quite a big risk. It might it might be worth looking at those players. You know, I think similar to what we did with Oakley, although it didn't work out, someone that's bounced around, you know, League One or the SPL or somewhere like that and has been released and is looking to get back into it. That'd be interesting to see. I think someone maybe in that mould um, you know, rather rather than an actual player um, that I can name. So yeah, that that probably be where the the good signings come from. I think is those that get released and we can persuade them to stay. So I think we did a good job of that last year. Really, was the players that we managed to get them to buy into the project a little bit. And I think we did sign some some really decent players. Obviously, Campbell will be one of those. I think Maguire Drew was one at the time. Um, 
you know, Oakley arguably could, could have been one, you know, if he hadn't have got injured. And so there's a few players, I think we did quite a good job of that last season. We seemed to sign a lot of them up early and, and they kind of brought into the project a little bit. So I just hope we can do something similar with that. Um, yeah, and I think the only player we brought from below up to our team was um, Solomon and we've released him within a season. So maybe it shows that if you want to be pushing for the top half, that's maybe not the way to, to go for it. That's the, all I've got to add. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure, Glenn, you've got a list of players that you can whip out and go, here are the top five of ones we should definitely sign, hopefully. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have done uh, should have done some football manager research before I started. But uh, I think my uh, claim to fame on that account is, uh, I think, about five years. And, and Jacob will roll his eyes at this story because I've bored him with it already. But about five years ago, I uh, had Jack Rolls on my uh, football manager career and he fired me to to the Premier League and I think he became Woking's all-time top appearance maker so no pressure Jack if you're listening but that's my expectations for you so if you could please that'd be great um but no I think um uh, the only thing I would add is um it feels like the club as a whole while um things on the pitch maybe this season have been a little bit disappointing it feels like off the pitch we've made really really good progress as a club obviously that's been helped massively by coming out of the pandemic era and being able to have fans back and a lot of people have been you know very enthusiastic about the prospects of getting back to football again but you know if you look at our home record this season it's been pretty rubbish um the fact that we've been able to maintain um you know solid crowds of of two thousand two and a half thousand for for pretty much sort of 80 90 percent of our home games is is really encouraging and that that's credit to the club for you know, the, the ticket deals that they've put on, the season ticket offers that they've had, the the fan and match day experience that they've built up. And I think what all of that helps to achieve is that it feels like there's a real sense of momentum behind the club. And while it feels like, you know, this season, as I say, was a little bit disappointing, it feels like we've, we've kept or we're, we're in the process of keeping our better players. Um Equally, there'll be, there'll be players from other clubs that will be looking at that and going, well, that's the core of a good squad. Things off the pitch are moving in the right direction. The club feels like it's got momentum behind it. That's something I want to be a part of. And I feel like that's such a stark contrast with where we've been in previous years, where we've, particularly when we've been in the National League, when we've been a, you know, increasingly a small fish in a big pond, where we we do have to, you know, either we've been part-time and we, we've been looking at kind of, you know, who's the, the best part-time players that we can get hold of, or whether we've been sort of full-time or, a full-time model, whatever it was called under Limbrick, where it was kind of, we'll get the the kind of young players, the academy rejects, the, the kind of odds and sods that we can get hold of. It actually feels like for the first time we might see some kind of seasoned, you know, professionals at the peak of their careers that, that want to come and play for Woken. And to me, that's really exciting. And, and I'm, I'm, while I don't have any names per se to throw out there, I'm, I'm really optimistic for the squad that, that Darren's going to be able to build. I, uh, I just want to just quickly jump in with the attendances. It's It's been really impressive this year. In fact, just before I came on, um, a freelance journalist who I follow, who followed coverage non-league, uh, said, I think we averaged just two, just over 2,700 this year, which puts us in seventh, which in non-league terms, I like to, again, quotation marks, say best of the rest, because the top six, you had your Grimsby, Stockport, Wrexham, Notts County. Um, Southend. Southend, and yeah. there's always one other I forget. I, I, I don't know why. All, all, all big ex-football league all clubs big, anyway. Big, yeah, clubs, exactly. Clubs. So for us, little old Woking, uh, to be 
you know, in that best of the rest slot. I mean, I wish we were seventh in the league, not the attendance <laughs> league, but it, it's really, really is impressive. Um, a lot of that, again, he's, he's gone, he's in the past. Quite a lot of that towards the front has to go to Dallas because he did do a lot in the community. Um, and also as well, it is impressive that the season we have had, fans are still coming, have come to home games. We've, we've you know, most years breaking 3,000 would only be when we play all the shot and we'd play, it would be four, 5,000. You know, this year we've broken 3,000 so many times. Now, I know that that can be, you have to take in away figures as well, but it, it, it's really impressive. Um, and it, I'm, I'm quite proud of that. Uh, that's that, that we are in seventh place. It's still ahead of teams like All Shot and Torquay, um, team, you know, teams that have been in the football league. It really, really is impressive. And, it, you know, it, it's brilliant. Um, so, and, and also just going back to another point you made, I know under Limbrick, we had that kind of full-time in a way model where it was like training three times a week instead of two. Um, but this year was our first year being full-time. Um, so it was a lot for people to adapt to the staff uh, all the way to even uh, the players coming in and, and everything like that, who who may have not done it before, like Case, etc. So, yeah, I mean, as a whole, obviously it's been quite underwhelming and it, it has been a shame. Uh, and, and I think for, for me personally to have done every game, to have picked this season, you know, if we, I'm going to uni in September, so it, I unfortunately won't be able to do anywhere near as many as I have this year. Uh, I still have bought my season ticket though, but um if we were to go and do a playoff chase next year, I'd be kicking myself like, ah, but, you know, at least it shows I'm not a glory hunter. I don't just pick the good games. You know, I've seen it all this year. Um, well, if it's... But, uh, uh, no, it's exciting. I was just huh? going to say, if it's, if it's any consolation, my first year of uni was the year that we won Conference South. So uh, it just yeah. sometimes, sometimes things uh, happen like that. And it just so happened I went yeah. to university in Southampton and I still, because we were in the South, I managed to go to a lot of the games. But... Uh, you never know. Hopefully, hopefully a similar thing will work well, out for you. And this year will be a really good year. We'll yeah. take it as a positive omen. Yeah, I mean, I, I've said to myself, it would just be nice to tick off the four new grounds for the next year. So that would be your, your Oldham and Scunthorpe, obviously. Gateshead, I mean, who who wouldn't want to do Gateshead on Tuesday night? That's what it's all about, isn't it? Um, and then whoever wins the North between York and Boston, because I've done Dorking and I've done Evsfleet, whoever wins the South. And I've done Maidstone, obviously, as I mentioned. So that would be nice. Throw the all-shot games in there as well. And that might be it for me next year. We'll, we'll have to wait and find out. But I'll always be listening to it on the radio, always be following it on, on, on BBC Radio, sorry, everything like that. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. Can't wait. Um, and I, obviously, I know you said you are thinking of wrapping it up, but I do just want to come on and say that this year I have met even just including you two, just by coming on doing this, but I have met so many really nice people in the club. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm only 17. You know, I'm only just a kid that unfortunately doesn't have parents that are, are really into football. Um, but I've met so many really lovely people from people my age, from people uh, older. Uh, it's, it's been really, really nice. You know, you, you go to away games and you haven't got anyone your age, but you can have a conversation with someone who's been following Woken their whole life. You know, it's such a, nice feel community club um and through me being to every game obviously you recognize people more and more i won't name names but people have just been so lovely so nice um so i will miss that that next year seeing these people on the regular occurrence whether it be on the coach or just getting to the game wherever it be so i, I want to say thank you on that behalf it's been, it's been really really nice i've thoroughly enjoyed it it's it is definitely a goal 
that I'm so proud of to say I did it before I even turned 18 or to, even to do it at all. You know, it, it's amazing. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 yeah, I've loved it. I really have loved it. It's been amazing. I'm sure there'll be lots of people that will uh, have enjoyed hearing that. And uh, we're, we're very grateful for you coming on the podcast, Ben. So thank you. Um, I, although I, uh, didn't enjoy being included in the bracket of people that are older because that, uh, no, I, I was thinking in my head when I said that I didn't want to say anything too rude yeah <laughs> <laughs> um Jacob wrap, wrap us up with some some final thoughts and, and expectations ahead of next season it's a good point actually I think that you guys are just making there about the full-time thing I think um in summary I think the season that's just gone felt a bit a uh, bit empty I think one of the big issues maybe one of the reasons it did is because I think we were so positive at the start of the season signs of great players and I think the full-time thing was actually a big thing where we were like oh well you know we'll be able to do so much stuff in training and we're gonna have these video analyst people and do all of these things and it just for whatever reason didn't work out this season and you just hope that next season with that you know new management team in like what I've seen so far happy with the players that they've you know got on and the ones that they're trying to get to stay the ones that they're talking about seem to be quite good and hopefully they can, you know, be, be the first kind of successful full time in recent years, um, you know, set up at Woking because obviously the relegation when we did the first season on the Limbrick where we full time got relegated. And then this was the second one where it was a bit like, is there a difference between full time and part time? Couldn't really tell. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully the team can, can crack on and, and the club moves forward as, as it has done off the pitch this year already. So, um yeah, I think a lot of people are looking forward to it. And uh, same as Ben, got my season ticket sorted for next year. And uh, yeah, looking looking forward to it unfolding in the next couple of months. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be back in pre-season before we know it. And I'll uh, I'll just take us home by, by saying that uh, we're coming up two years now, unbelievably, since we started this podcast. I think um, Jacob and I was, were talking before we started recording tonight that um, we we kind of started this as a, a way to have someone to talk to during the midst of the uh, the pandemic. Um, it just started as a little bit of a, a kind of fun project, but um, we're always really grateful for all the the feedback we get online, um, all the people that that, that listen. Um, it's it's made it a really rewarding exercise, and we we really enjoy doing it. So hopefully there'll be more podcasts and and interviews and things to come. Um, I know Jacob's always. Uh, does a great job of, of getting hold of people. Um, I'm just going to throw on the both to Ben one more time because he's he's got his hand up really politely. Yeah, sorry. No, I just lastly, I just want to say a massive shout out to the media team this year, uh, Dan, Max and Connor, because they've really done the, the media coverage has also been really good this year on, on Twitter, Instagram, everything like that. So just wanted to say shout out to them. And uh, I'm not using this podcast as uh, to benefit me, but I do just want to also say shout out to my mate, uh, Tom, Thomas White, because he's also done his most games this year um not to the level of me uh but uh yeah he, he's done really well this year as well so thanks to him coming to all the games that he could come to with me as well uh, and that, yeah that's it that's it thank you very much for having me on of course no problem well we were saying weren't we with jacob that we should start like a paid promotion section where we, we let people have these shout outs and things so there you go we'll have to, we'll have to save that for next season um but as i say thank you very much everyone for listening uh any feedback um do drop us a line on twitter jacob where can they find you uh, at Jay Greenwood 91 and at 1887 Cardinals. And Ben, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me predominantly on Twitter at Ben underscore Parker underscore. Uh, and you can find me at Glen H1292. But until next time, thank you very much for listening and we will see you soon. <laughs>